Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by RockAuto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. And thank you, Alec Webb. Hello, everyone. I am John Davis, and welcome to MotorWeek podcast number 127. And in our studio today, we have our writer-producer, Brian Robinson. Hello, John. Our road test producer, Ben Davis. Back at you. No relation. Nope. Assistant producer, Greg Carlos. That is me. And our writer, Patrick Lucas. That is me, yeah. Who's also our producer. Real original. All right, we have uh, a lot going on today. We have a lightning round of your question. Uh, We've got a rant and rave, and I've been warned that Ben's got something special (laughs) up his sleeve. But first, into some of the cars that we've been testing lately on Motor Week. Uh, First one, 2016 Chevrolet Volt. Greg, you've driven it. Uh, We've seen it. It looks a little more like a Prius. It's got a little more range. Is it worth the hoopla? Yeah, I think so. Um, Like you mentioned, it looks different. I think it looks better. I don't know about anybody else. You like it better? Yeah. I actually thought it blended in a little bit better than the old Volt. Uh, I think the... um, with the with the original Volt, they kind of had to make a splash. Like they wanted to have a car that, that said, "Very here futuristic." I, yeah, here I am, and now it's time to mature and get into that. You know, lay back and make it look more like a traditional traditional car. And All I right, think now wait done a minute, that. wait a minute. I'm going to pick pick on you. Pick on me. <laughs> it looks like a more traditional car only because it looks like a Prius. I don't think it looks that much like a Prius. No, nobody else thinks it. Well, that's true. That looks less like a Prius. I thought it kind of just looks like every other new sedan. It looks like and a that's, lot. Well, looks that's, a lot like the new Civic. Looks a lot like the new Maxima. Looks like the new Civic. Wow. Yeah. I well, I think did. that. Well, that's what it seems to be. And that, well, that plays right into my point. They wanted to blend in more. Okay. I think you know they probably they didn't come out and say, "Hey, we want this car to blend in." But I think the goal was to mature it and make it look more conventional, and they did. It looks lighter. It is lighter because they've pretty much lightened everything. They've uh, got new battery. Uh, they've actually lessened the amount of cells in it. There's uh, fewer cells, but it's now up to like 18.4 kilowatt hours. Uh, there's a new two-motor drive unit, which it's different it's from the last It's pretty much all one. new, right? Yeah, pretty yeah. much all new. It's uh, There's a new range extender, which equal, which is actually an engine. It's a 1.5-liter right. engine. It, did you find it quieter? Because the big beef on the it, old, it old one, it was it's, much It's quieter. Loud. It's quieter. Um, the engine, the powertrain is all quieter. Uh, there's still a little bit of noise coming in from those low rolling resistance tires, but there's nothing much you can do about that. What uh, about the back seat? Everybody complained, and I don't think it was legitimate that you know it was only two seats, and now supposedly they've got this little cushion for a third mm-hmm. spot is that real or just sort of cosmetic no it's I, you could probably put someone back there but i'm certainly not going to spend any real time back there because greg is well over six foot right. tall everybody and that's, and that's i had no headroom i actually absolutely no headroom i had to lean uncomfortably back just to have any headroom so, so it's still a hatchback right exactly so don't put anybody you really love back there or anybody who's really big don't <laughs> put someone you hate back yeah there. don't put them back there but um no as far as driving the car goes it's um it certainly feels lighter it's more fun to drive actually as long as you don't really push it to its limits and um, one of the new things that I like is the regen on demand. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw it in the ELR. That's where you can actually pull on a paddle behind the wheel, and you get some regen braking, which, you know, some people don't like it. Uh, it is a little bit aggressive, I think, uh, but it's still pretty useful, I think, when instead of having to tap on the brake and, you know, it's just it's just as easy just to pull on a, on a little paddle on the back of the wheel. And it does extend your range. Yep. Is there a, uh, like a... Um 
a lot of those electric cars or hybrids have those like that B mode where it's basically like aggressive and brake right when you just get off the throttle. No, nah, it doesn't feel it that. It's, it's that's I think the paddle is okay. is, is like that. Um, so yeah, but it's the, the big thing with the new two motor drive unit now is it used to be like one larger one and one smaller one. They've actually um, so they've I guess made one smaller and uh, they're, they're now similar in size. And they now split the workload more evenly. Mm. Um, and they also, the old one didn't drive the wheels as yeah, often. Was, now it's much more evenly split that, that way. That was a big controversy when it first started because there was one circumstance where you had to be like over 60 miles an hour and it would drive a wheel where up to that point GM had said there was no mechanical contact. Mm. Now they are using it more of a helper? Yep, yep. They uh, mm. they actually are advertising that it is using it uh, more often. Um, it extends your range a little bit better. That um, makes it more like a traditional hybrid. Yeah, it does, but they refuse to call it a hybrid. I'm sure it, they It's not a hybrid. So They're um, still calling it a plug-in electric car. Yep. Okay, uh, let's move to something completely different. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. The uh, BMW pair of Grand Coupes we just had in. We had the uh, 16640 XI Grand Coupe, which was basically a reface, and we had a 15435i Grand Coupe. Okay, Grand Coupes, four doors that looked like two-door convertible, I mean, uh, coupes. Uh, actually, in this case, you can't even call them both sedans. What do you think? Are these cars ever going to be accepted by, I guess, the mainstream, even though they are selling, I guess, very well. What do you think of them? Yeah, you just answered your question there. Uh, BMW claims that 6 Series half sales now are Grand Coupe. It's amazing. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. What? People Why like is the, that? I think they just like the more, the more style. And, it's and the versatility. I know, well, I, know I, more like versatile. I know I like just having that rear door to throw stuff in because i always have stuff to throw in the back mm-hmm. just way easier than pulling the c4 and but. yet you've got the coupe look which to me still says Some, impractical but go somewhat. ahead somewhat uh, i mean they don't really look that much like coupes i mean they they're have, big yeah mm-hmm. everything pretty much has that same roof line now whether you call it a grand coupe or not mm-hmm. so it's like if you want a sedan but you don't like what? but you don't like the only yeah. sedan that bmw made like you don't like the three series sedan, no, like so you the five want the, series. So you want the four series Grand Coupe, really or you don't, don't like it. the seven, right? I'm just saying, right. like it's a similar size. It's more or less the same exact size yeah, vehicle. Most, it's like a three of the series sedan. Now, right? are actually less than the, well, yeah, exactly. The so I, mm-hmm. so the only the only benefit it. of the four, uh, it's a hatchback, so you can get some right. bigger things in the rear and a well done um, one. I mean, it it until I realized it was a hatchback. You walk up, it looks like it's got a traditional trunk. That, that's probably the one of the best series, I've ever despite seen. Despite being called Grand Coupe, also is a traditional trunk. So right. uh, I really. did the six series did feel surprisingly small inside, not in a bad way, in a good way. It felt very like tight, cozy, co- tight. Yeah, cozy, Intimate. tight, and like sporty. So. Um, which I, is I traditionally what the six series two door always felt right, like. Right, and you I got can in appreciate said, that. This is a big car, but it felt intimate. But these things are sell. I mean, I have to tell you, when I never thought these cars would sell that well because they're all style. But it just goes to show people love good looking cars. Anything else about are are the how about the four since that's really the new one and impress you? Did it feel heavier? I, think, four. I, I wouldn't say it felt heavier, but unlike the 6 Series, I thought it actually felt bigger inside than uh, than like a 4 Coupe or 3 Sedan. It felt uh, plenty roomy in there. Was it 
I can't remember because I feel like we've driven a lot of these lately. Which was it? The two series that would push the seatbelt forward? Because I know what I was really two upset about. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, what that. really upset me in both of these, I believe, the uh, four series Grand Coupe and the six series, was having to reach, reach super far back, back to get that seatbelt. And it's like, why would they not put that yeah. system in that car? Yeah, with the six series, the, the Grand Coupe we have now, you still have to reach pretty far back unless yeah. you. But I noticed that the seatbelt. Uh, is incorporated into the seat, mm-hmm. which is what they need to do on the convertible. And that's what... That's <laughs> so, what um, so they have the technology. <laughs> oh, well, that's what Tesla has done with the uh, the new SUV. They've incorporated that. So, yeah, that can be done. Okay, let's move on to our third car for this podcast uh, that we've covered recently. And this one, Volvo XC90. Long time coming. When I first saw this, I said, gee, Willikers, they've really gone back to looking more like station wagons with that long nose and probably most of that is because of the european pedestrian crash standards but the one uh we drove i was very impressed it's big though it feels much bigger than the old xc90 comments volvo xc90 lots of people are waiting for it seems to already be selling well it's not going to disappoint it's stunning in person very beautiful car yeah and i love the technology i love the uh the touchpad it's very intuitive and easy to learn um had good safety systems, too, which they're known for, but they all seem to work. Yeah, and the, the what kind of worried me at first is the motor is turbocharged and supercharged. And supercharged. Very and complicated. Four-cylinder. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's gonna and be... it's a big vehicle. <laughs> yeah, it's got plenty of power for its size, especially, but, yeah, I don't know how I feel about future repairs. And longevity on that engine. I'm sure it's legit, but but then again, I'm sure it is. Well, everybody knows uh, Volvo is fairly expensive to maintain after the warranty runs out anyway. So in that I'd, aspect, I'd be, it can't be a surprise to owners. I'd be scared to buy a used one, maybe. My yeah. question is we had what was it called, the inscription? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The top of the line. Uh, no, right. it, 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 it's not the no, top. I think the art it, design. It is not the top of the line. <laughs> it's not. I think the art design is not Just the let everybody know. It that was, not, it was a new luxury level. Or it, it was the, the name they started using the name what on the sedan, right? The the long wheelbase sedan that they built for China. That was the first use of that name. Anyway, go ahead. I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, I, well, my question is uh, since we only had that one and that had great tech, which it's really that was what we were most impressed with. I think. Yeah, the technology. But how much do you have to pay? Like, what if you get into a base one? Or how much of that tech are you really getting? You're not getting. I'm assuming the air suspension, which was pretty incredible in that thing. No air suspension, but you get the full senses, touchscreen, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Of course, all the safety. Yeah. So, so you I mean, do get that touchscreen no matter what. Yeah. You know, that's well, that's a big that's deal. Standard, yeah. Yeah. For fifty grand, which is a really low base price for yeah. that segment. That's about what ours was, right? and it was uh, partially. No, that's the base. I think ours was. Ours wasn't too terrible. Was, ours was pushing seventy, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, but compare. What are you comparing it to? It compares to. Mercedes Mercedes and BMWs that cost another twenty grand more. It's a it's a bargain for what it is. I think so. I think extremely well equipped uh, for the price. I think it's much larger inside than those two. It's actually it feels like you could compare with an American uh, full size SUV. I, I felt like I was like every other tall. Volvo. The seats were you know incredible. Yeah. Definitely a long distance comfortable vehicle. It's nice to see them bring out something that. It's probably going to be a home run for them, especially at the upper end of the market. They've had a long slog back, but it looks like the XC90 might, might play a good role If they role step in that. up all that material quality and stuff like that with the XC90, if they start putting that in their, which I'm assuming they are, in their smaller mm-hmm. cars, like the S60 or something like that, I think they're going to be like an actual legitimate 
uh, rival to like a BMW. I know we've been talking about mm-hmm. it like they forever. They almost always kind of are, but I think they legitimately would be. Well, I've, I've, I've seen several on the streets already. Yeah. So people they are the, uh, yeah. Yeah, the plug-in hybrid version coming out, uh, T8 with like 400 horsepower. So that should be uh, that should wake things up too. Yeah. Ooh. Okay, it's time to move on to our lightning round where our panelists have two minutes to debate a trending automotive topic. When time's up, they'll hear the bell. Thank you, Patrick. Oh, boy. The VW diesel scandal. We all know the dirty details. Pun intended. What do you think (laughs) is going to be the long-term impact? I'll set the stage by saying... Most of you are too young to remember when General Motors pretty much killed light-duty passenger car diesels in the 80s. Here we are in the 2100s, and, oh, wow. or the 2000s, anyway. 2100s. Wow. <laughs> Maybe I'll live for that. Situations. Why not? Why can't you compare them? Seriously. Well, because the TDI is an awesome motor. I mean, it is awesome. Just because the GM was a piece of junk. Yeah, that, that yeah, was but, the, that but was but a problem. Think about with that how motor. it plays out <clears throat> in the public. Forget that you're an automotive. Forget that you're an automotive rider. If you're a general mm-hmm. public, mm-hmm. you've heard nothing now for you know weeks, but just this rant and rave how horrible they are. Turns out Consumer Reports just did a test and they weren't nearly as bad as I thought they were going to be. Oh, but anyway. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. People overreact to something. <laughs> but that's just my point. Uh-huh. It's Every TDI owner I've talked to is still very patriotic with their TDIs and I think that they'll stick with them to the end and, and if they do issue some kind of recall where they do a software flash um, then I feel that these owners are just going to search out uh, some aftermarket flash to get it back to where it was before. <laughs> yeah, before or they'll delay touched. it. I'm sure that every person who has bought a TDI bought it for the fuel economy, not for the emissions. Oh, they bought it for the power it. and the fuel right. economy. So yeah, they're not, I'm course. sure the average TDI if you really were does that not conscious care. about the environment, you would have bought an I'm electric sh- vehicle. You I'm wouldn't sure drive it all. You'd ride right. a bike everywhere. There's That's a true, small man. chunk of those buyers that did it for the greenness of the planet. And they I'm live sure. in California. Yeah, there's a small well, chunk. To VW's credit, they're out and about. They're not trying to hide anything. They're trying to get in front of it. You know, well, after basically of, lying for a year. A lot yeah. of times it's the cover-up that gets you into more trouble than actually what you did wrong. But uh, so, I guess you're more positive than I am. I think it's going to it's 40 percent of their sales i think they're going to have a hard time getting anybody back into those for a long time to come do you but think it's we'll really going to affect people buying any kind of diesel like uh, well maybe let's say like the new colorado's got that duramax coming and out. already california has said that they won't certify that until they do their own on-road testing so now we're going to be into a world mm. of on-road testing where you have no scientific you know calibration to back it up I think it's a mess. It could drive people to make more efficient diesel engines, though. If the, if this testing is going to be a lot more strict, then well, the, well, I mean, let's maybe face the technology it, they, will be forced to get better. All they did was was uh, cheap out when they built it and didn't want to add a urea tank. Right, which now they have. Had they done, there wouldn't be an issue. So, I mean, moving forward, all they got to do... Well, I mean, not that it's small, but all they have to do is design the next <laughs> golf-based, Jetta-based TDIs yeah. with a urea tank, and there will, and you know, nobody's going to, everybody's still going to be on board. Our table is full of optimists today. That's it's that's good. We just like TDIs. Um, yeah, you yeah. Can't, it's it's you hard can't to say. Throw a it's a great, on a TDI. And it's more, a great and car. More TDIs great engine. Besides that, two liter. Uh, time will tell. All right, what are we doing, Glenn? We have a viewer question. <laughs> 
Glenn has uh, some money, apparently. Glenn's got money. He says, I've just purchased a 2014 Audi R8 with 3,400 miles on it. I wish I was, I wish I was Glenn. Uh, it's still under the factory warranty. I was looking for an extended warranty to purchase that would give me an extra couple of years coverage at the end of four years. What do you think of that idea? Well, I'm more impressed that he plans on keeping in the R8 that long than anything else. Most people that buy those cars flip them pretty quick, like the guy he's buying this yeah. one off of for 3,400 miles. But I don't know about extended warranties. Obviously, I've never been in the position to buy this type of vehicle, but... Uh, Hey, it all I'm, comes down to price. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of extended warranties. Just, uh, I'd have to know how often he's planning on actually driving this car. Really? Well, yeah. I mean, if he's talking about <laughs> Let's call him at, up and wait. at the end of four years, if he's got, you know, 15,000, 18,000 miles on it, it's probably a waste of money. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, Audis can get hugely expensive to fix. Yeah, if you, I'd say if you're planning on putting 60,000 miles on it or so in the period of time that you're concerned about having a warranty on it, then I would do it however much it costs because you might need it <laughs> yeah it's I, a pretty pretty uh delicate vehicle but it's hard to cheap of. out now right it's like you've already yeah. got the yeah, maybe, money's, the maybe money money's not really that much of right. a factor if money's not that big a factor to him then i think i'd save the money and put it in the bank or invest it and instead of giving it to an insurance company where after all these things are very negotiable he could be quoted anything from five to ten thousand dollars i for wonder an what kind of deal he got on this was this like after the new r8 i assume it's already after the new r8s come out probably so, I mean, like, so. probably don't want to know the details yeah i kind of do it's <laughs> it's probably pretty durable though i wouldn't really you're not it's not a it's not really a super fragile vehicle i mean you you could probably beat it Naturally up pretty aspirated. good yeah i mean i just think about all those things that go wrong with audis talk to pat goss <laughs> well, anyway, Glenn, I hope that asks. I think the consensus in here has been, unless, you, unless you're really a fear of it, uh, save your money. Put it in the bank. Go take a, a trip to Acapulco. Do something else with it. <laughs> Let's move on now to our rant and rave. Has anyone got something on their mind? Ben, what have you got? This has been bothering me. All right. <laughs> Should we put a timer on this? Uh, yeah. no. You don't have to. He's been fuming about this for a while. Let him go. Let him go. All right, Chrysler and Dodge. Their logos make me. Their cars make me extremely happy, but their logo choices have made me extremely sad. Now, why would Chrysler adopt a wing and a spelled-out Chrysler name when they had such a powerful, iconic Pentastar from back in the day? And arguably, Chrysler's holding on to their old styling more than Chevy or Ford, I would say, with the Charger and the Challenger. Uh, and Dodge. It's spelled out Dodge with two red hash marks. Come on, man. Remember the Dodge uh, Triangle from back in the day with the black pointed uh, spears mm-hmm. on it? I mean, these emblems have been associated more with raw power and sheer muscular design throughout the course of automotive history than, than these lame logos from today. Um, and on another hand, companies that should actually change their logo, like Ford, never will. Mm-hmm. Way in. Such passion. passion. Why should they change it? Ford? Well, why is Chrysler changing theirs? Yeah. Because they needed to. I th- well, I think they I needed think, to. I think you're right, than, actually. Greg, I would love to so see that. Ford. I would love to see that. You change your image, you change well, here, your and then here. So here's, I'll throw another one out there. Kia. If Kia is going to like rebuild themselves as this, you know, I think they're trying to be like a young, energetic brand. They got to do something about their logo, too. Hyundai, I mean, that thing Hyundai is just lame. That's a terrible logo. They gotta, like, if they're going to rebrand, they got to re- start with that and really make, like, go to find some 18-year-old who is on Twitter all day and get him to design you. There's uh, always two. 
levels of thought when it comes to this stuff. One is the traditionalists who don't want any change and then and are afraid that if you change it, it will be unrecognizable, like Chrysler. You know, Chrysler went back to the old wing, which nobody that's uh, yeah, alive even far. knows about. And even they're trying to do it with Dodge Brothers, with yeah. the Dodge Brothers logo. This and stuff, that's too old. I don't know what the answer is. It seems like every time a manufacturer can't really come up with a decent new car, they either change a name or they change a logo. Can it's like cosmetics. A, can there be a third thing where people just don't care? You either like the car or you don't. Why do I care whether it's got wings on it or <laughs> well, Dodge Brothers hash marks? D- wouldn't I mean, you like to see that 200 with a nice Pentastar logo on the back that nah, you grew up with? No, really. I think the Pentastar is dead That Pentastar logo of, reminds was, me of, like, as a kid, like, decaying car dealerships. Like that <laughs> yeah. so like, come drive like, the new K-Cars. Yeah, well, exactly. we're, yeah, it's because we're younger. That's right. how uh, we well, – I mean – I guess that's well, – Quasi answered my question. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Dad. All right, that's Ben's rant and rave. I think it, it's a good point, though. The industry often changes names and logos, and it often doesn't make sense. And how many times do they do that and then four or five years later go back to the old name? Well, I mean, there, There's a lot that don't, like Mercedes, Audi. These, these uh, logos have stand the test of time for sure. Because they're good the first time. Even Toyota. Well, I mean, well, they still make subtle tweaks to them here and there, bigger, smaller. Oh, sure, yeah. Change the script, you know. But not, not, yeah. And with that whimper, we bring to an end Motor Week Podcast (laughs) number 127. Thank you. I want to thank Brian Robinson, Ben Davis, Greg Carlos, and Patrick Lucas. Also, our audio engineer, Jillian Cookman, our podcast creator, Bob Mixter, and of course, Patrick Lucas, as always, has produced it. And our studio audience. And our studio audience, which we have in the studio today. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast and for watching Motor Week on public television stations everywhere and on the Velocity Channel. I'm John Davis. For all of us at Motor Week, thank you. And we hope you'll follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. See you soon. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com and by RockAuto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.